Welcome back to Sanity. I'm Shane Gordon. Today, I want to take a look at abortion. As you may know, last month was the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. However, for the first time in 50 years, states once again have the power to make decisions regarding abortion. This, of course, is because of the Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization last year. This ruling has and will continue to change the landscape of abortion and abortion politics for years to come. Neither political party has the absolute moral high ground when it comes to the abortion debate, though, and I think that's because the issue is really one of how we view children in our society. So that probably means no one is going to like what I have to say today, but that's okay. Sometimes the truth is uncomfortable to hear. Let's dive right in by taking a look at some tweets from last month. First, from at March for Life, Roe v. Wade never reached its 50th anniversary. Because of this, millions will reach their first birthday. This is why we march. At Laverne Spicer tweeted, Today would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Instead, we celebrate Dobbs. America is a pro-life nation. Governor Kevin Stitt tweeted out, As a Christian and father of six, I believe there is no gift more precious than a child. To those marching at the 50th anniversary of At March for Life, thank you for being a voice for the voiceless. Hashtag why we march. Barack Obama tweeted out on what would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, we're reminded that progress can move backward. And that means we've got to recommit to doing our part to protect and expand reproductive rights for families today and for generations to come. Nancy Pelosi said, Today we should be commemorating 50 years of Roe v. Wade. But the Republican-controlled Supreme Court tore up this landmark ruling last summer, jeopardizing the health, freedom, and safety of women across the country. We must fight, excuse me, we must keep fighting to enshrine Roe into law. And finally, President Biden said, or whoever is tweeting on the president's behalf said, today should have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Instead, MAGA Republican officials are waging a war on women's right to make their own health care decisions. But this fight isn't over. Obviously, there are varying views on abortion. I want to start by addressing the pro-choice movement. For years, the term healthcare was, and honestly still is, linked to the pro-choice movement. So why don't we first take a look at what healthcare is? The Institute for Healthcare Improvement, with the stated goal of improving health and healthcare worldwide, says the fundamental purpose of healthcare is to enhance the quality of life by enhancing health. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines healthcare as the maintaining and restoration of health by the treatment and prevention of disease, especially by trained and licensed professionals. And finally, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services describes healthcare as care that helps prevent disease and improve quality of life. 
In other words, healthcare is meant to cure the body from some ailment or to prevent future ailment. To call abortion healthcare is simply wrong in almost every case. To say a pregnant woman is unhealthy and therefore needs an abortion to bring her back to health is absurd. Pregnancy is a normal, biological quality of being a woman. Complications in pregnancy are, unfortunately, also quite normal, but rarely lead to long-term health concerns. If the healthcare response to a pregnancy is abortion, then a developing baby is something abnormal and an offense to the female body. That should sound ridiculous and insane, but that's exactly what we're being conditioned to believe, isn't it? Now we're going to listen to a portion of a clip from a woman who claims to be a biochemist. And this is a clip from TikTok. Now, to be clear, I have no reason to doubt that she's a biochemist. She likely is. I just haven't verified that. So we're just going to take her word for it. The entire clip is about four minutes long. We're not going to be listening to the whole thing. We'll take a listen to a couple minutes of it, and then we're going to discuss. Okay, if you're pro-life because you're religious, swipe up. This video isn't going to do anything for you. I just want to pause right there, actually, and acknowledge that she at least respects that religious people have an argument for pro-life that has nothing to do with biology. And instead of attacking those people, she just acknowledges, hey, I'm not going to be able to convince you with this. Anyway, let's continue. But if you're pro-life because from the bottom of your heart, you do think abortion is murder, please give me the next three minutes. I want to try to explain something to you as a biochemist. The goal of this video is to show you that abortion is fundamentally completely different than murder. And we can see this just through biology. If you haven't heard the biology of pregnancy, this narrative of pregnancy is probably going to sound pretty familiar. Things like when your body realizes it's pregnant, it stops menstruating or you develop a placenta and start giving nutrients to the fetus. That's not what happens. That narrative puts pressure and guilt on the person who's pregnant to continue to be pregnant because it makes it sound like your body knows and wants to be pregnant. So if you don't want to be pregnant, there must be something wrong with you. It also makes it much easier to believe that abortion is murder because it sounds like you're going against what your body naturally wants. But again, that's not the biological narrative. Let me tell you the biological narrative. When scientists say that a fetus is a parasite, that's not them being an asshole, that's them being accurate. And it's not just the fact that the fetus takes nutrients at the expense of the host that makes it a parasite. It's the process by which this happens that makes it extremely parasitic. This is what the embryo will look like as it's going down the fallopian tubes. You'll notice that there is a dark magenta ring in this diagram. That ring represents the protective membrane because without it, the host will rightfully recognize it as a foreign body and try to expel it. That means kill it, by the way. Second, you'll notice that when the embryo becomes what's called a blastocyst, there's a ring of cells and then an empty space in the middle. Those are trophoblast cells, which will become the placenta. So no, it's not your placenta. It's the placenta the fetus makes and plugs into your body without you knowing, but I digress. It's only after the fetus implants the placenta into your uterine lining that your body gets tricked into thinking it's not a foreign body anymore. This is done by the fetus in a number of ways, but I'm going to mention three. Placenta will secrete neurokinin B, which often has phosphocholine molecules. Phosphocholine's job is to prevent the host from knowing that there is a foreign body inside. This is the exact mechanism used by parasitic nematodes, so their host doesn't know that it's there either. Second thing the placenta will do is secrete a molecule called beta-HCG. This is what stops your period. I think we understand the point. Basically, her assertion is that pregnant women do not consent to a parasite stealing nutrients from them. Instead, a parasitic embryo tricks a woman into thinking it is part of her body and her body is then forced to care for it. 
Now, I'm not a baby scientist, so let's just assume everything she said is correct, which, honestly, it probably is. Although, I do seem to recall that once a month, a woman's body prepares for pregnancy even without a fertilized egg. So it seems disingenuous to say that everything happening is because of a parasitic fetus. A woman's body literally prepares itself for pregnancy without any outside intervention. It seems that fact would indicate that women are supposed to get pregnant. But I digress. Nothing she said automatically means we should be aborting babies. Everything about the human body can be explained as a simple biological process, detached of any true understanding of what a human life is. But we are more than just chemical and electrical signals that stimulate cells and somehow work together until they all finally die. Even this woman would likely agree that there is more to humanity than what can be explained by science. We all know this innately. We are thinking, feeling beings. We don't need to be religious to accept this either. Philosophers for millennia have understood that there are aspects of human life and nature that go beyond what science can study and explain. So yes, I'm sure this is how life begins, but it is only a small part of the story, and it is incredibly dangerous to ignore everything else that makes humans human. If the argument is that the baby forces itself upon the mother without her consent and is stealing resources from the mother and, therefore, aborting it isn't murder, then when does this logic end? Isn't an infant literally stealing resources from its mother? Now one can argue that the mother has given consent at that point, but can't consent be revoked? What if, I don't know, after three months, the mother no longer wants this parasite living off her? After all, if she didn't have to buy it food, protect it, nurture it, she could better care for herself. Someone who is for abortion would be quick to dismiss this argument, but the logic is sound. How many parents go hungry so their children can eat? How many sacrifice adequate clothing so their kids can be clothed? Whether this clump of cells has or has not been born is irrelevant. It cannot survive without leeching off its parents. And if the parents refuse to care for their child, they are punished by law. So there is an obligation to care for the child. But before we go too far down that rabbit hole, let's go back to the idea of abortion as health care. Some of you will be old enough to remember when the main push was healthcare decisions should be between a patient and her doctor. Therefore, the government should stay out of abortion. Well, we've seen the word healthcare taken out of the abortion narrative almost completely, and this isn't by accident because abortion isn't healthcare. Then we heard all about family planning. Abortion allows people to plan their family rather than it being thrust upon them. Well, the sad truth of the term family planning is that, by its nature, it admits that what was aborted could have been part of a family. So obviously that doesn't fulfill the intended purpose of convincing us abortion is moral and just. Now the primary verbiage used is reproductive rights. The term reproductive is a cold scientific term. It doesn't engender any feelings of love or familiarity. By doing this, those who fight for abortion are intentionally trying to influence us. 
they don't want you to associate abortion with any feelings. Otherwise, you might feel icky about it. And inaccurately calling it a right is also very purposeful. It is an attempt to imply that we should all understand that having the ability to abort a baby is as important as freedom itself. But as we saw with Dobbs, the Supreme Court ruled not to take away a right, but that abortion was never a right anyone had in the first place. But now let's get to the most concerning thing that happened last month, and that's Kamala Harris's speech in Florida. First, let's take a look at what she tweeted. First, from her personal account, Kamala Harris said on this 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, let us resolve to stand together to protect the freedom and liberty of all people all women everywhere. And then from the at VP account, she said, today should have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Instead, extremist so-called leaders have taken away a woman's fundamental freedom to make decisions about her own body. And then she goes on to say when and where her speech is going to be. So now let's look at a portion of her speech. This is from the transcript found on the White House website. Quote, So we are here together because we collectively believe and know America is a promise. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty, not for some, but for all. A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence that we are each endowed with the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, anyone with a vague recollection of high school history or knowledge of the U.S. will see the obvious omission by our vice president, and that's the right and promise to life. We have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If she truly believes abortion is not the killing of a child and thinks most Americans agree with her, she shouldn't have a problem including the right to life in her speech. But she knows, as do all the leaders fighting for abortion, that most Americans do realize an unborn baby is a life. We may not all agree on when that life begins, but most of us do agree that it occurs sometime before birth. And obviously, saying we have the right to life in a speech arguing for the right to abort a baby would be a confusing message. Hence, her concerning and gross omission. And she has actually tweeted out the same thing since that speech, continuing to ignore the right for life. This is a common thing, though, with a pro-abortion movement. Their argument as a whole does not stand up to scrutiny. Every comment or speech has to focus only on one or two aspects of the argument. If they were to say everything at once, it simply wouldn't make sense. This is a complex topic, and we have to move on to talking about the conservatives at some point. But before we do that, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening. Thanks. Now, as I said up front, I can't say the pro-lifers have a claim to the moral high ground either. Finding tweets or videos to show you the problems with the pro-life right is challenging, and I think that's exactly the problem. Give me a moment to explain. 
we all know that the political right would like to ban abortion from the moment of conception. Most Republicans agree there should be few, if any, exceptions. But what they never address is the welfare of the children that obviously result when we ban abortion. We live in the greatest country in the world, but children are suffering every day. Kids go hungry, have no clothes, lack consistent and adequate housing, are abused, are neglected, and much more. I think some people have rightfully stated that many who claim to be pro-life are actually just pro-birth. There is absolutely no reason we can't and shouldn't provide children with what they need to survive. Regardless of the parent's situation, children should have food, healthcare, clothes, and physical and emotional security. And sadly, very few pro-lifers fight for these things. They push and push for a baby to pop out and then abandon that baby to whatever the world may throw at it. That is not okay. That is not pro-life. The arguments against providing this care are laughably predictable. The first is, who will pay for it? Well, we all will. Shouldn't we pride ourselves as being a society that cares so much about its children and their future that we ensure they are clothed, fed, and supported? If there is any social program that people of both parties could agree on, I would hope that this would be the one. Regardless of political viewpoints, socioeconomic status, race, religion, you name it, children are children, and we should want to cherish and protect them. If you're against abortion, but don't actively pursue social welfare for our children, you are not pro-life. Okay, so do people with more kids get more handouts? Well, yes, that's exactly how it should work. The handouts are for the kids, not the adults. Why should we punish the sixth kid because a family already had five before it? That's just stupid. Okay, so how do we manage everything and make sure people aren't misusing the benefits? Honestly, I don't know. But that's also not necessarily my job. I haven't gone into the business of understanding the details and planning it all out. Maybe one day I will have an idea of how to do it. But right now we do have people who can do that and whose job it is to do that. They are called politicians. They are supposed to hear the will of the people and create policy to benefit those who elected them. And finally, let's not forget the argument that it's going to be too difficult and will cost too much and won't work anyway. After all, look at all the social programs that don't actually work. To that I say, that's a terrible argument. Something being difficult isn't reason enough to give up. Yes, we have failed social programs. Yes, it will be challenging. Yes, we may make mistakes and have to make changes. But shouldn't something as important as our children be worth the effort? I think so. I also want to be clear that in a perfect world, every baby would be born to a nuclear family that loves and cares for it and has the means to provide the baby with everything it needs. But in a perfect world, we also wouldn't be fighting about abortion because we would be in a society that values and cherishes children and families. To clearly state my viewpoint and what is the only sane position in the matter, there is no argument for abortion that works. No matter when you draw the line for when abortion is and is not acceptable, the argument will always be flawed. The only argument that isn't flawed, and therefore, the only sane argument, 
is that abortion should be illegal from conception. The only exception I would concede to is a situation when the mother will die and the baby is too young to survive. At that point, saving the life of the mother is more just than allowing both mother and baby to pass away. But that can't be the end of the conversation. A birth is not enough. We must fight for the social welfare of our children. We must protect the lives that are brought into this world and are in our care. We must care enough about our future, our children's future, and our country to give them the resources they need to make it into adulthood as healthy, productive individuals. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about this for today. But don't worry, I'm sure we'll be talking about abortion a lot more in the future. Thank you for hanging out with me, and we'll see you next time on Sanity.